leftovers. Or the DMV. Or house cleaning. Or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Welcome to Duncan Dynasty. Alongside Anthony Brown, I am Garrett Bouguet, and uh, we are happy to... Uh, uh, to be chatting with you this afternoon, and of course it's fun to be back with you, Anthony. Yeah. It's been a little while since we've done one of these sessions where uh, you know, we've just gotten to chat about hoops. Of course, we've been doing the live episodes right. for, for quite a while <laughs> during these playoffs. Kind of kind of glad that's over now. We can kind of get back to what yeah. we were doing from the from the get-go. Good to be back. Uh, uh, yeah, um, I'm happy to have you. It's, it's a lot more fun when it's, uh, you know, there's a little back and forth. <laughs> um, but... Uh, the the first thing I wanted to uh, to discuss was uh, the, the NBA Finals. Of course, they're going on currently. Game right. three is tonight. Uh, if you're listening to this episode when we're releasing it, which is uh, you know Wednesday, uh, and the Golden State Warriors lead the Cleveland Cavaliers two to nil. Uh, they they got a very fortunate game one victory. Uh, got yeah. some calls to go their way a little bit, and some there was some controversial. Uh, decisions at the end of the game with the referees deciding to change the the charge to a block on LeBron near the end, uh, and then Game Two was a little bit uh, you know less uh, um, less competitive as Golden State kind of blew him away as Steph Curry was just on fire from downtown. Uh, but what what are some of the takeaways you've uh, you've learned from these first couple of games of this series? Um, you know, with the first game. Going into the first game, I didn't think the Cavs had any shot right. at going against this team. You they know, were the you know a historically heavy underdog, right? In exactly. The I mean, st- struggling a little bit against the Pacers in the first round. Mm-hmm. Obviously, going through the Raptors pretty easily, but then you know struggling a little bit with that Celtics team as well. I figured going against the Warriors is not going to go well. I think they lost that game. I thought they had every opportunity to win that one in regulation. Um, and even though it was close, and then once it got to overtime, I was like, okay, this series is pretty much over. Um, I felt that after the first game, LeBron would probably have to put up that type of performance every single game for them to have a chance. Which is a little bit unfair to ask of him. Which is. that was an epic performance. I mean, maybe one of the greatest, if not the greatest, single game performances of all time. Exactly. Yeah, it's one of, it might be the greatest finals performance I've ever seen. Uh, it it was incredible. And so to expect that out of a person every single time, totally unrealistic. Um, yeah, fit, just get us 51-8-8, eight and eight, you know. Yeah, just... <laughs> totally. Control the whole pace of the game, everything, yeah. Um, and I guess the other takeaway, I, I was surprised that there was so much, there was as much controversy with the calls. 
uh, from the refs. I didn't think it was that one-sided. Like, like say, the, the charge call, I wasn't as upset about that. I, I thought it was a questionable call. It could have gone either way. Yeah. Um, but I, I still thought the Cavs had every chance to win that first game. Um, and second game, the Warriors just seemed to be more, you know, locked in mm-hmm. than the Cavs weren't. Yeah, the... Um... Yeah, one of the big things in Game 2, I thought, was Kevin Durant and his ability to kind of just let Steph take the lead and just play off of him and take really quality, high-percentage shots. And, of course, he was greatly efficient in that Game right. 2, I think 10 of 14. Uh, but going back to that uh, that charge call you mentioned, sure. I thought it was a for-sure block. Like, that yeah. was 100% a block That's in my what I eyes. Thought. That's what I thought. Uh, and Van Gundy on the air, as well as Steve Javi, the referee that the ABC has to... Um, the former retired referee that they get to consult on those sorts of plays, they both seem to think he had legal guarding position. Hmm. And one of the comments Van Gundy made was the idea that you can be moving when you take a charge. And Hmm. my response Hmm. to that is... That's true, but in a right. specific context. Right. To me, the only time you can be moving when you're taking a charge is if you're defending the ball. Okay. Because when you're defending the ball, you know, a guy can only drive right or left. He's, mm. Nobody drives straight at the defender. Right. <laughs> so the defender to take a charge guarding the ball has to anticipate what direction the dribbler is going. Right. Cut them off. And take the hit to the chest. Right. If you can successfully do those things, it's a charge, even though, of course, you're not going to be stationary. Right. But as a help defender, I think you need to be a little bit more strict in terms of whether or not you're going to give them the charge call because, um, you know, you're dealing with players leaving and coming off the ground to go for the shot and they're coming up underneath them. Mm. Uh, And as the help defender you have more time to read and react to the situation to get yourself in pro- appropriate position. Right. That's a really good point. You don't want to encourage players to be sliding in last second and right. possibly taking out people's legs and everything. Um, really good point about that. Of Yeah, it typically happens uh, if you're guarding the ball, where you would be cutting the player off and then you would be taking that charge if you're moving. Um, yeah. Uh, the... The other evidence, you know, that, that proves that LeBron's moving yeah. is not only is he moving prior to the Afterwards, contact, but even yeah. after the contact, he doesn't fall in the same <clears throat> direction Durant is moving. He falls to the left. Right. So he's consistently moving even after the contact. So there's there's no stationary, no set positioning there. So right. in my eyes, that's not legal guarding position as an off-ball defender trying to take a charge. Sure. And... It, it seemed like there was some, uh, like, uh, Teron Liu was, you know, talking about the fact that they went back to change the call and was a little right. upset about that. Uh, you know, not that I would advocate for the refs doing that for every call because I don't want to slow down the game, but I thought they made the right call. And I, I think that's what you would want as a coach. It didn't go your way, but I wouldn't be whining about that just because it didn't go your way. Maybe the next game that same type of thing can happen in your benefits. So. Exactly. It's I, I heard on uh, the Dunked On podcast, it's mm-hmm. our, complaining about that is essentially like uh, complaining about 
um, being arrested for drug possession and complaining about an illegal search. You know, yeah, <laughs> <He's>, right? <laughs> you know, it's but you, you yeah. probably just shouldn't have had the illegal <laughs> substance with you in the first place, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but yeah, that uh, the the biggest complaint from them was the idea that the rule is supposed to be where the referees go and review it if they're not sure the guy's in the restricted area, which LeBron was clearly out of the restricted area. Right. But two referees made a different call. One referee called a block, the other right. called a charge. So if they have the ability to go look at the replay and and make the right call, they're going to do that as opposed to just stand there and talk amongst themselves. Right. It seems silly if you've got the resources to go see it and make right. the correct decision that you're just not going to do so. And one of the few times where i feel like i've i'm agreeing with van gundy on this like um maybe they do need to change the rules for when you can go to the replay you mm-hmm. know because if that is the the case that people are like he's clearly not in the restricted area so it shouldn't even go there well then maybe they need to change the rules to where they could take a call like that where the refs make you know one's got a block one's got a charge and you know what never mind we're going to take this to the the replay yeah you know well, and I, I like the, I think, you know, Van Gundy has discussed this. He's discussed a bunch of crazy ideas, yes. but I actually like <laughs> this one of the of the challenge, okay. giving a coach a challenge. I think the, the NFL format where they give coaches two challenges, mm-hmm. and if you get both of them right, you get a third. Oh, wow. And, yeah. like, that seems like a fair, like, you could do it pretty quickly. I think uh, if you've got another guy, like, in Secaucus... Uh, New Jersey, where they do the they control the replay. Like if a coach goes and challenges, he immediately gets started figuring out if uh, if the call needs to be reversed or not. Right, and you know it's a it's a short delay and the game moves forward. But that would allow mm. uh, you know those coaches that feel like they really got screwed on a specific play yeah. to have an opportunity to to like in the NFL throw the red flag. Would you? Would that be kind of like the NFL? Would you want it to be where that's the only time they go to replay is when there's a challenge? Or would you keep it as it is now, but then just add the challenge on top of that? That's a that's an interesting question. Because right now, uh, pretty much the replay is used just in the final two minutes of the game. Right. Uh, but then also, they do... Uh, do certain things like uh, threes and twos. Like if a guy has his foot on the line, they'll go during the next timeout and go see if he if he did, and then right. they'll take a point away, something like that. Or if it was a shot clock violation, they'll uh, they'll they'll take away the bucket if it was late on the release or whatever. So I like those. Those are real simple because you can yeah. do it during the commercial break. Uh, I um, yeah, the the two minute thing is always weird because the two minutes is just kind of an arbitrary number but right. i do also like the idea that you know for the game they're going to get the call right right you know and and so yeah i i would probably be okay with just keeping it how it is plus adding the challenges cool what about yeah. yourself me too yeah. yeah i i want them to be able to look during the game try and get the right call but not so much that it slows down the the game you know because mm-hmm. if you're going to do that why even have the refs like out there you know what i mean you could just do it all people with cameras and everything and right yeah i i think the ref should be part of it you know people make mistakes every now and then that's part of the game so yeah so uh you know looking forward to this series you know of course game three is tonight 
Is there anything in your mind you think the Cavs might be able to do to change things? Now, of course, playing at home is going to help. Right. You know, the role players are probably going <clears> to <throat> shoot better. You might have a little bit more energy with the crowd, but uh, maybe more strategically, is there anything you think the Cavs can do to, to mm. fluster the Warriors? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd love to, you know, be super optimistic. You know, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this are Cavs fans. Uh you know, I think LeBron's going to play great. That's that's the one prediction that I could make. That LeBron's going to play amazing, and you know, I think he's, he's gonna... only had one or two bad games. The and by bad, I mean bad for LeBron. Right. All postseason, you right. know, he's been pretty much brilliant throughout the entire playoffs. Right. But yeah, I'm just I'm not seeing that many areas where I feel like the the Cavs, other than you know knocking down those open shots when LeBron gets double teamed. Uh, but even then, I feel like the Warriors are, just get so many more good looks because they've got so many more good players. What do you think, though? Are there any adjustments that you're seeing that they should well, make? Well, I, I think um, minutes-wise, I think they need to give more time to Thompson and Korver. Okay. Uh, Thompson, I think, only got 25 minutes and was actually only negative one in his 25 minutes despite the Cavs losing by double digits. So mm. he was pretty productive and yet didn't get as much as much time as you would have liked. I think, uh, you know, for a lot of the season, the Cavs went small with Love at the five. And really, I just, all season long, I'm like, yeah, that makes you a really unstoppable offense, but your defense just is so bad. Right. And and to beat the best teams, you've got to be really good on both ends of the floor. I think the Cavs got to play Thompson and Nance, uh, you know, for close to all 48 minutes. Maybe you can give a little time for Kevin Love here or there at center. Yeah. Uh, but overall, I think they got to play big. They got to crash the boards. And, you know, they, they were able to do that effectively in game one, not so much in game two. Uh, mm-hmm. But then also, Corver, you know, he, I think Lou has uh, decided not to play him too much because of his defensive deficiencies. Yeah. But if Love is out there, I say why not throw Corver out there as well? You know, Corver's a, a good team defender. Yeah. And when Love's out there, they're attacking. You know they're attacking a weak point anyway. So right. what's having two weak points? That doesn't really hurt you. It's right. just they've got two options of a atta- of person to attack. Right. But he makes your offense so much better because of his threat to shoot the three. And given how much the Cavs have struggled at times from the three point line, like they need their best shooter out on the floor. I agree. That's yeah. I'd rather go. Don't play in the middle there. Just go. With your strength, even if there's some weaknesses out there, go all in on the offense. Mm-hmm. That's what you're going to do. Yeah. And and those offensive boards and kind of, you know, trying to give yourself more shots. than Because, you know, right. if you get an equal amount of shots just with their shot making, their talent level, you're probably not going to beat them. But if you can right. get 10 extra shot attempts up, you know, that yep. then you give yourself, that just adds to your chances of being able to compete. Uh but looking at, uh, you know, we didn't really get much of a chance to talk about even the end of the conference finals either. Mm-hmm. But, of course, Boston and Houston both uh, bowing out uh, in Game 7s seven. at home. Uh, what was your uh, your general thoughts on those couple of teams in those series? I thought they both played really, really well. I expected the, the Rockets to play well mm-hmm. going into it. and 65-win um, team. 65-win team. Um Best in the NBA, right? Yes. Yeah, and um, didn't expect Chris Paul to get hurt, and that obviously affected that season or that series, but they played great. Um, the Celtics, those first uh, few games, I thought were just incredible. I, yeah. Like, 
everyone was talking about Brad Stevens as a coach and just how it's genius what he's writing up against them. And then all of a sudden the Cavs made some adjustments and then all of a sudden, like, shoot, we got a series now. Or maybe not even made adjustments, just they went home. and They went home. And <laughs> Boston then... had that much of a differential on right. the home and road splits. That yeah, it was, there you go. It was pretty wild. but Right, yeah, the home team was winning every single time. Yeah. Well, and you had... Even the Cavs had some veteran players that, like George Hill and J.R. Smith, that played so much better in Cleveland than they did, right. uh, you know, in Boston. Uh, but looking to the towards the future for those teams, of course, when you're mm-hmm. one game from the finals, you you're so close. You feel like uh, if you're a Houston mm-hmm. and you know you were up three two with Chris Paul healthy. Now, of course, the Warriors didn't have Iguodala for games three through five, which uh, the um, the well three through seven, but the three through five in which the Rockets were able to take two out of three, uh, and you know, but again, Rockets one game away, and the Warriors still had their top four guys. They still had four All Stars right. out there, and the Rockets had held held them under a hundred points three separate times. Hmm. Chris Paul was brilliant, especially in Game Four of that series, hitting miraculous three point shots. Uh, James Harden struggled and the three-point shooting struggled, but defensively they were on point throughout that series. But, you know, Houston is an older team as well. You know, Chris Paul is 33. P.J. Tucker is in his 30s. Trevor Rees is in his 30s. Uh, And, you know, James Harden and Eric Gordon are probably smack dab in their prime. They're not really necessarily going to get better. Uh, most likely. Right. Uh, the only guy, really, that you can say is for sure going to get better is a Clint Capella, who's still okay. in his early 20s, their starting center. Uh, but for a team that's for, for a team that's this old, it's, it's tough to say that, oh, if we bring them back, we're going to be better next year. But at the same right. time, when you're so close, uh, you almost feel like you just have to give it another shot. Right. Uh, it's That's a tough decision. Uh they were so close, and I honestly think that if Chris Paul, like you said, Iguodala's out, so that helps, but if Chris Paul was still uh, healthy and still playing, I thought the Rockets had a really good chance of, of beating this Warriors team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but that's what's to say that, who's to say that that's not going to happen next year, right? Say Harding gets hurt, you know, you, you right. put all of that on two people, well, and Paul has had a, a history of injuries throughout the years, right. so it's not as if he's, you know, that was super unexpected. But right. But even Very with, unfortunate timing, of course. Right, right. But even with that, I think there were a few, um, you know, just me as maybe a more old school basketball fan, I know we're in this era of, of analytics and everything, but for me, 7 for 44, or 7 uh, of 44 from the three-point line should never happen you know they were getting good looks trevor rizzo was 0 for 9 i thought almost well everyone that i could remember was a really good look for him that mm-hmm. any other game he would have made yeah but and this is game seven this you're is game about. seven yeah where they missed the 27 straight 27 threes. straight like yeah. i think at a certain point you can look around like me as a player i could be like yeah shoot or shoot but if i just don't have it this game from three right now I'm going to go to the basket. I'm going to get some twos. Part of the, the D'Antoni philosophy, it's not just threes. It's getting layups. And I feel like they maybe went away from that a little bit. Maybe Harden was getting tired, you know, because their whole offense was basically Harden isolate and get to the, to, to the rim. But I thought if they could have gotten a few more high percentage two opportunities, 
to get their rhythm back and then you know kept working that from the outside maybe that could have helped um but that's just me so i i think they my guess is they'll probably try and make some trades and um you know do something that there to try and get a little more assurance with this uh year going forward but I think you could keep the team as it is and just say, you know what, we're going to give it another shot. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't work, then probably next year because they're older, let's do something. But yeah. What do you think? Would you switch it up? Would you try and go for like a high-profile, you know, Kawhi Leonard type player or something? Well, I, I would I would go for it. And the the question they have this off season is, you know, Chris Paul's a free agent, Trevor Reese is a free agent, and Clint Capella is a restricted free agent. Uh, so they've got, and Luke Richard and Bamute is a free agent as well. So they've got a, a key portion of their rotation that's, uh, that is, you know, up in the air. And the other, the other question mark, you know, Warriors fans talk about Iguodala not being healthy, but Luke Richard and Bamute dislocating his shoulder on the final day of the regular season mm. and then not having confidence dunking because he, he dislocated on a dunk attempt. And so he was not able. He played minutes in the in the early portions of that Western Conference Finals, but he couldn't finish. Therefore, and he couldn't hit those open threes, which he was a thirty six percent three point shooter during the regular season. But that shoulder took away his shot, took away his finishing. So right. he became a liability offensively, and then became unplayable. Right. So that was an injury to a guy that was starting for them the whole second half of the season. That was, in my eyes, nearly as important to the Rockets as Iguodala was to the Warriors. Right. So you could say even, you know, obviously Chris Paul losing him is, is worse than the, for the Rockets sure. than the Warriors losing Iguodala. But if you add in Mba Mute with Chris Paul, like I think the, the Rockets were definitely the team that were unfo- more unfortunate sure. in terms of the injury front. Uh, so... That, to me, just gives me more confidence if I'm the general manager, Daryl Morey, that if we bring this team back, maybe we can get a little bit more fortunate. And, heck, maybe the Warriors might get a little, you know, maybe one of their top four guys might get hurt for next postseason. Uh, But if you're this close, I think you got to bring it back. Right. Because that's the the goal is to win a championship of team building, I right? Mean, and if you don't bring back Chris Paul, you're not competing for a championship. It's right. as simple as that. Uh, and the other question, though, is you know you mentioned trade possibilities, and uh, you know it's it's a question mark in terms of who on this team has trade value that they don't need. You know, they right. they need Capella. He's got great trade value, but they need him for their team to be good. Same with right. Eric Gordon and. You know, James Harden and Ariza. You know, right. all those guys are, are key central pieces. So I don't know how much they actually can change the roster too right. much. But uh, I, I do like their team. And I thought when, you know, I always think if you're this close, even if you've got to pay, uh, you know, pay for it for a few years even after next year, uh, if you've got a chance, even like a 30% chance to win the title next year, right. you got to do it. I agree. Yeah. Now looking at... Uh, from Boston's perspective, you know, they were, unlike the Rockets, more of a surprise to make it that far, especially given the injuries to both Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving. Right. Uh, they are a, you know, a team that's got a lot of young talent. Terry Rozier came in and replaced Kyrie Irving and did a great job, although he had a horrendous Game 7. I think yeah. it was 2 of 14 and 0 of 10 from 3 in that, in that mm-hmm. Game 7. Uh, 
Um, but you know he played really well throughout the for, throughout most of the playoffs, especially at home. Uh, and then you had Jason Tatum, the rookie, the number three overall pick in last year's draft, was just sensational. Averaged close to twenty points a game for the playoffs. You know, didn't seem afraid of the moment at all. Yeah. Uh, you know, could score in a variety of ways, getting to the basket, getting to the free throw line, and hitting mid range and three pointers. Yep. Then you had Jalen Brown, you know, who made a huge leap from his rookie year to to year two. Uh, you know, just to think about Jason Tatum is twenty and Jalen Brown's twenty one. It's crazy. And they were, <laughs> you know, the top two players. Uh, well, maybe. Two and three, if you can, I would consider Horford probably the Celtics' right. best guy at this point. But sure. uh, you know, to be the second and third guy on a conference finals team at that young of an age is is super impressive. And Danny Ainge, the general manager of the Celtics, have built a has built a stockpile of young assets, not only with his players he's already got on the roster, but future draft picks. And the question I have for you now is, if you're Danny Ainge. Do you continue to do what he's done recently, which is really not trade away those draft picks and just continue to take guys like your Jason Tatum and your Jalen Brown and build that way and hope that, you know, one of those guys maybe becomes, vaults into that star, superstar status. And you also have Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward coming back. You can't forget about that. Uh, Or do you try to maybe trade a Jalen Brown or a Jason Tatum along with a couple of future picks to bring in a Kawhi Leonard or an Anthony mm. Davis in the future. What would be what would be your thoughts on that? As tempting as it is to to make a trade for uh, uh, Davis or Kawhi because uh, like you said Anthony Davis and my thoughts was like I'm picturing him in a Celtics jersey and alley-oops and I'm like oh man that'd be awesome. Um, I would like you said, twenty years old for for Tatum. How old was um, Jalen Brown? Brown's twenty one? Twenty one. They're so young to be playing that well in that moment. Rozier's, I think, twenty four. He's right. got one more year on his rookie contract. Right. He'll be a free agent next next off season. I would I would try and keep that team intact. I mean, we also don't know what. Kyrie Irving and uh, Gordon Hayward are going to be coming back. Right, are they going to be the same player? Right, I mean, Irving has been pretty injury-prone in the past. Mm-hmm. You know, that's been one of the things with him, even though Multiple he... knee issues at this point now right. as well, which is always a, a, a bit of a red flag. Right, so, you know, maybe he'll lose a step, I don't know. Uh, Hayward, with that was, I mean, that was... Gruesome a, injury. Gruesome injury. Um, we don't know how he's going to be <laughs> coming back either, so I figure you might as well let I would keep building, right? Even if you don't end up winning the next year, I would keep building, like you said, you got more draft picks coming in and see if you can just cultivate a really good team atmosphere. I'm thinking of um, you know, Durant and Westbrook and, and Harden pre that Harden trade, you know, where you're just building the team or the Warriors team. You know, people forget that they built that team just like that. They worked together and all of a sudden they became this, you know, I know there were trades involved in that team yeah. as well. But, um, yeah, I, I would keep them as they were. I thought they could have beat the, the Cavs this year. You know, in all honesty, without a Kyrie Irving, without a Gordon Hayward, I think they just missed the uh, a seasoned veteran star player in those key moments. You know, mm-hmm. instead of Rozier and some of those other players coming up short and missing a lot of shots, I think those are shots Irving or Hayward would have made. 
Yeah. So, but what do you think? I mean, would you go for it now and try and, you know, you got a better shot now if you, uh, you know, get a Davis or a, a Leonard, maybe. I mean, I, I frankly would not trade Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum. Definitely. I think they're untouchable in my eyes. Sure. Like, at, at that age, with that level of talent, again, on a rookie contract, which also has great value, you know, having a Jalen Brown... And paying him, you know, six million versus a Kawhi Leonard and paying him thirty plus million. Right. Like, yes, Kawhi Leonard's the superior player, but is it that drastic if you factor in the money as well? Right. Uh, so to me, I I keep those guys if I can somehow maybe trade a Terry Rozier or a Marcus Smart, uh, and or even a Marcus Morris. Okay. And some future picks to maybe add Leonard and keep the Brown and Tatum. I do it in a heartbeat. Okay, but yeah, I would I would have a hard time if I'm Danny Ainge saying goodbye to either of those Definitely. young young studs who are the you know back to back number three overall picks. Right, and Rozier played awesome. Like he right, played amazing throughout the with whole Irving playoffs. back. You question like how exactly. much value do you get out of him as a backup point guard? Right. And then with how he showed this year, teams are going to probably pay up for him when he becomes a free agent. Right. So it might be more value for that. But yeah, no, I would with both of those teams when you're that close game 7, you know, even though Cavs Warriors four years in a row, uh yeah, I would come at it again. I think they got a really good shot and so do these other teams, you know. Okay, so here's a here's a bit of a what if for you. Okay. Uh, let's say LeBron re-signs with Cleveland on a one-year deal okay. next year, and they end up because he's committed to them, they trade the number eight overall pick for let's not even say a specific player. Let's just say a solid starting caliber guy. Right? Okay. And say maybe in free agency they're able to get another you know rotation player. Uh, that wants to play with LeBron. You know, that's sometimes pretty easy. Right. Uh, And so the Cavs are, you know, a little bit better. They get improvement from the likes of, you know, Chetty Osmond is another youngster I think should be playing for them, and uh, he's real young, and, uh, you know, they get some improvement there. Who do you like in a Cavs-Celtics series next year if the the Celtics obviously get back Kyrie and, and Hayward in their relatively let's say they're 95 percent of what they were it's it's tough right this is, this is all hypotheticals here um if the celtics are able to learn from this experience and be able to play decent on on the road i think you could still go for the celtics mm-hmm. um and and because they did all this without Hayward or without Irving, I might actually side with the the Celtics on this one. Okay, which might be kind of blasphemous here because <laughs> I mean LeBron did win and he'll have more help. But uh, what do you think? Well, yeah the the big question for me is it's like did LeBron do just enough? Yeah, you know like if the Celtics maybe pushed him even more, could he have gone to even another level like we saw in game one of the finals? You know, like that LeBron, I don't think we ever saw him in that Celtics series, even though he played brilliantly and, 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 you know, throughout that series. But did LeBron even have a little bit more if the Celtics were able to push him? That's the question for me. And then also, you know, if the Cavs get a little bit better themselves, 
right uh, you know you you never know but but certainly yeah i i wouldn't uh, i wouldn't bet against the the boston celtics adding two all-stars right. to what was an eastern conference finals team yeah uh, but then you know there's also philadelphia in the eastern conference that's uh Process. that's it's yeah. it's an interesting possibility as well and of course lebron has talked about maybe going uh, to Philadelphia as one of his possible free agent destinations. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, what's your? Uh, I'll put you on the spot. What's your prediction for Game Three tonight for the Cavs Warriors? Game Three. Uh, I, I I'll go with the Cavs on this one. Okay. They they, they played really tight well one, in Game blowing One. Blowing them out, or I think it will be definitely a close game. Okay. Um, but they were so close. You know, on the road, I think at home, maybe they'll be able to get this one. I still would have the Warriors as the heavy favorite for the series, but I don't know. That's my prediction. I'll I'll do a Charles Barkley, throw that out there. Hopefully it's not horribly wrong. Well, and Game 3 has <laughs> been the game that the Cavs have typically won against the Warriors in the past matchups. Right. I think they're, you know, 3-0 and in Game 3s in this matchup of the previous finals so okay that's you know that probably be my bet as well but sure. i also agree with you that it'll be a tight game and the Cavs are going to have to play well to sneak even one game in this series right you know but uh i um okay so how about this do you imagine the series goes back to golden state 2-2 or 3-1 i think 3-1 3-1 to be okay. honest yep. but who knows this could be a, a repeat of the 2016 finals you know 3-1 and then you know, end up taking to a game seven. LeBron blocks Steph Curry again, and I, I really don't see that happening. And, but uh, that um, would be that would be cool as a as a neutral basketball spectator <laughs> for sure. Um, but thank you, Anthony. Uh, yeah. That was uh, that was fun chatting about the uh, the finals here. And uh, stay tuned uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, we're going to be doing a podcast another. Uh, part three of our LeBron Michael Jordan debate. <laughs> of course, there's uh, you know LeBron has made it even more interesting with this most recent postseason run. It's been uh, crazy. And, yeah. Uh, what we're going to be doing is we're essentially going to be c- comparing the two players' greatest playoff moments, not only with individual games but series and and postseasons themselves. So uh, stay tuned for that. We should have that here in the next coming uh, couple of weeks. Uh, But thank you so much for listening to Duncan Dynasty, and have a great day. Leftovers. Or. The DMV. Or. House cleaning. Or. Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.